situated just right and everything. Praise the Lord. Isn't it great to be in God's house? If you're glad to be in God's house this morning, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. And guys, let me say it is great when you can see babies dancing for the joy of the Lord. Amen. So we all should be just as excited to be singing those praises unto God. So it's, it's going to be a great day in God's house. We had a great Sunday school class this morning. Not sure what happened in this section over here, but something. Oh, wow. I was going to say her spouse. I was, <laughs> hey, but you're right. Even the spouse said, yeah, "I'm going up front." <laughs> but praise the Lord. I, I don't know where these folks are yet. But let's pray they get here and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just come before you this morning to thank you for this opportunity to gather in your house. Thank you that we can hear your word, sing your word, hear your word, and know that you are here amongst us. I just pray this morning, Father God, that that as we open our hearts and open our minds to you, that it's not about what one another says, it's not about what I have to say, it's about what you have to say to each one of us. May you pour out your anointing upon us so that when we leave here today, we will know and we can say that we have stood in the presence of the Most High God. May your will be done in the hearts of your people. And God, if there is someone here today, that, that I, it, they may be in church their whole life, but there's someone here today that is still yet to succumb to your glory. They have not bowed and accepted you as Lord and Savior. 
May this be the day they hear your call. May this be the day that they feel your Holy Spirit. And may you fill their cup heaped up and running over when they open the doors of their heart to you. Father, may your will be done this day. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good seeing everybody this morning. It's supposed to start raining this evening, but we're going to enjoy this day today. So walk around, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug. Tell them it's just good to be in God's house this morning where the the Spirit always rains down upon us. Amen. wanting to, to run around like these babies are up here, but you can't do that when you're old. That was a joke. You still can. I don't care. <laughs> I see that. Is my mic on? Because nobody's listening. <laughs> All right. Well, I got one. Let's see. Everybody that's listening gets $20. Put your hand up. Oh, okay. A lot of people. All the kids back there are listening. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um. Just a, just a few announcements, the first of which, if you notice, Chris isn't here today, Chris and his family, well, his baby is, with grandma, but uh, Colby, uh, Chelsea, the, their great-grandmother passed away this weekend, uh, so they're, they're doing things and such, and the services will be tomorrow at 10, but they are, uh, uh, just keep them in your prayers, just keep, keep, she was 96 years old, therefore she has had a long life, however, that does not uh, take away the, the 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 missing of someone there. So keep them in your prayers. That's why Chris isn't here today. Praise the Lord for Bob and Brian getting up playing for us. I'm still excited. One of these days we're going to get our drummer back and hear those. I'm I'm not sure what electronic drums sound like. I'm I'm, I'm wanting. Oh, I can make them make noise, but I mean I'm kind of interested to see what they sound like if somebody knows how to play them. Uh, be interesting. So keep keep Chris in your prayers. That Colby and and it's. Uh, our sound person back there, Momo's great-grandmother as well, obviously. Keep them all in your prayers, if you would. 
the only other couple things I'm going to grab is, is one, the proposed bylaw changes on the back table. If you didn't look at that previously, there's another opportunity for you to do so. And also, two, uh, Rod and I have discussed the coloring and things of that nature that's going to happen to the church building and such. If you'd like to come and help wash it down and get it ready and things for other parts of that work day as well. There's a lot of things that needs to be done for that spring work day. Again, we've got a couple of names. If you have not got with Rod or myself, so we know there's going to come a point where we're going to be pretty sure about weather where we can start organizing this is the day. Therefore, I'd like to have the name so I can call everybody. What day do you feel as though you can make it so we can get everybody here? Because in the past, it seems like each workday, somebody said, oh, I had this, I had this, I had this. Where if we can choreograph it, maybe we can get a lot of folks here and get a lot of things done on that workday. So if you'd like to be able to make it, give Rod or myself, and we can get your name down on that list. I think that's all I'm going to speak about uh, right now, but praise the Lord, we're going to, we're going to continue Brother, you want to come on up? This was Corey's day. Corey called me last night. He had to work today, so he couldn't be here. But Brian said he was going to fill in for him. Thank you, brother. You're going to have to do all these grandbabies dancing. That's all right. (laughs) Father God, I just lift up my brother to you and just ask in the name of Jesus that you will just bless him and bless his words as it's your words that's come out of him. May we hear you through him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Aren't grandkids a blessing? They are. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Too much blessing. Too much blessing. I wanted to talk about instructions today. Sometimes we uh, we tend to resist being instructed, don't we? I run into it at RA camp uh, uh, often. Uh, you'll go there with a with a with a boy, and um, you'll tell him not to do something, and um, He'll go look for somebody else to tell him what he wants to hear. It's human nature. But you know what's funny? It's not just the kids, it's us. We we get to uh, thinking we might be all that. We might be all that in the Bible. We might be all that scripturally. God tells us to do something. We might even tell God that that doesn't really fit into his word. Because we have it misunderstood. <laughs> well... It's important to be sure that what you're being told fits into God's Word because there's lots of spirits that will tell you to do something that aren't part of God's plan. Anyways, Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verses 11, uh, 11 and 12 say, Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. Um, if you're being disciplined, you know that it's that it's God. But sometimes we get into despair. I, I, I like to think about Jonah. He was a good example of um, resisting God's instruction. God told him to do one thing. He did a complete other thing and um, um, wound up in the belly of a whale. That's where he wrote what... I'm going to read out of Jonah 2, chapter 2. He He wound up in the belly of the whale and then... The whale vomited him out on the shore. You know, I like, I've heard people oftentimes preach that uh, Jonah was covered in vomit. That's technically incorrect. Jonah's might be the only person that ever existed that could claim this title, but Jonah was one of the chunks when the whale vomited him up. Jonah was vomit. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, just say it. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> um, but he later wrote this down about that situation. So no matter how far away you might have resisted these instructions, there's hope. There's hope for all of us. God has a plan. He's got things for us. Even if we've destroyed everything, there's hope for us. Um, he'll give us grandkids as a blessing. Jonah wrote, I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. Call out to God. He is right there. He's right there. Even if you're uh, uh, disagreeing with with his instructions in a very arrogant manner, he's still there 
And he's ready to instruct you when you're ready to listen. Actually, I'm sure he is instructing us. We're just not listening. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's got blessings planned for us. I, I thought of one today when I was on my way here. I went by all of these uh, salt cedar trees on the side of the road, on the county road that we live down. About every... Uh, about every three years, the guy that owns those trees cuts them down to about this tall. These are huge trees. The trunks are this big around probably. Uh, but he cuts them down to about three feet tall, and I'm thinking, well, he completely killed them. We do that sometimes with situations, with things that God has given us charge of. We completely tear them up by not... Uh, following his instructions. It's kind of cool that salt cedar tree. Um, in scripture, there are several places that a tamarisk tree is mentioned. That's a salt cedar. Um, Abraham took refuge under him. Uh, there's lots of times. Uh, it's kind of a cool tree. But cut off like that. In two years, you can go see them right now. In two years, they're just huge trees. They're getting out in the road. That's why he cuts them back. They're getting out in the road and they, they, uh, they're huge again, two years. So God will, when we listen to his instructions and start growing in him, he will make things happen. So it's never too late. No matter how bad things have turned because of how we've messed them up, we look to God. We listen to those instructions. We don't try to go get instructions from somebody else. And he will instruct us and build on us, even though we're not worthy. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for all the many blessings. Thank you for always being there for us, God. Uh, thank you for loving us, even though sometimes, uh, and using us, even though sometimes we turn into something very vile like vomit, God. And thank you for letting us come to your house here and to hear your word spoken. God, I pray that you will lead Brother Frank as he brings us your word. And, and Father, lead each one of us as we carry on conversations today. God, bless the music. Bless, uh, bless every one of us that is here today, Lord. Uh, be with the ones who couldn't be here. Father, uh, for whatever reason, Lord, I just pray that you'll bless them also, God. And do forgive us whenever we fall short of your perfect will. I pray these things in the holy, precious, sweet name of Jesus. Amen. Bless the Lord. There, there's a movement among churches where they don't talk too much about the blood, but I'm thankful to God for the blood because the, the blood of Jesus Christ, there's a beautiful hymn that says, the blood that gives me strength from day to day shall never lose its power. And uh, it was from the time that the Israelites were um, under Abraham in the, the, old, uh, the, the old Jewish law system that they were under uh, in the, in the book of Leviticus and going onward, there was always blood required for the remission of sin. And it was the blood that actually cleansed them of their sins with, under the sacrificial system. But Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for all time, for every everyone. For that time that he died and for ever on into the future. So um, I just want to say that I'm thankful that God saved me and that he cleansed that ugly sin away in uh, through the power of his blood and now when my heavenly father looks upon me he sees the blood of Jesus and that perfect son that died for me and he doesn't see my sin the Bible says those sins are washed away as far as the east is from the west and that um, he'll never uh, remember those sins ever hold those sins against us so I think oftentimes we try to forgive people but we keep it locked away in our mind it's, it's really hard to forgive and forget. It's real easy to say that, forgive and forget. But how often do we really forget? But praise God, um, through the power of Jesus' blood, when, when God actually accepts our prayer for asking Him to, to forgive us and to become our Savior, 
he doesn't remember those old sins. And he sees perfect, he sees his perfect son when he looks at us. So, bless the Lord. We're going to sing the song, Are You Washed in the Blood? And uh, this is a beautiful hymn, so sing along with us as we sing it together. <clears throat> Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you lost in the blood of the Lamb? How you fully trust in His grace is how you washed in the blood of the Lamb. How you walk in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. How your garments sparkling on in white how you walk in the blood of the Lamb. How you walk in daily by the Savior's side. How you walk in the blood of the Lamb. Do you rest each moment in the crucified? How you walk in the blood of the Lamb. How you walk in the blood. In the soul praising blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the bright green from the blue, your robe be white. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the Lamb's coming back? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul, praising blood of the Lamb. Now your darkness, spotless, holy, white as snow. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay beside the darkness and the stainless sin. Have you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There's a fountain going for the soul. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing heart of the land Are you garments, spotless, hard and white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the land? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing heart of the land Are you garments, spotless, hard and white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the land? All the time, 
He put a song of praise in His heart and mind. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. He's so good all the time. God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good all the time. Through the darkest night, His light will shine. God is good. He's so good all the time. sitting in the back, you missed all the interpretive dance that was going on during all that. You missed out. You need to move up front. See all these seats? Carla, Carla will take a bath next time. It's okay. <laughs> well, there you go. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. However, you can be turning there. Before we get there, I'm doing something just a... a a tad bit different this morning. I, I was in the midst of something that transpired this week that, that kind of broke my heart, but however, it also, God utilized it to put a lesson within me and teach me a lesson. And as I was praying about that and praying about what God would have me to do this morning for you guys, the message was the same. 
God kind of spoke to me that the same lesson that I was hearing or learning needed to be shared here today. And as I thought about how to do that, not that I am an actor, but I'm going to kind of portray a situation from two different viewpoints, first of all, this morning. Then we'll go to the scripture and look at how it's actually written. So I don't know if you want to close your eyes or picture this or think some way, but I want to present a storyline to you from two different views, from two different directions. So, as we get started this morning, the first viewpoint is going to be from a Pharisee. This Pharisee comes into the picture and listen to the story as, as he kind of sees it. So the Pharisee comes in, and this is what he says. So Simon invited me to his house. I'm going to come to his house, and I'm, we're going to have a dinner party there. It's going to be some of the best of society is going to come to my house, to this house, to Simon's house. And, and he's invited me, and, and I can't wait to go. I'm going, I get to go and see all the important people of the community is going to be at Simon's house. And, and I'm also going to get to, to see this other man they invited, this man that everybody's talking about so much. I'm, I hear so much about Jesus. I'm going to see this Jesus there as well. and I'm kind of excited about that. I want to see him. If the stories about him are true, it's about time that he got to mingle with the right people. I mean, he's famous all over Israel. People have been looking at him as a, as a man who can perform miracles, but, but he surrounds himself with the worst kind of people. He surrounds himself with, with tax collectors and, and filthy fishermen and, and prostitutes. He, he hangs out with all the wrong people. Some people even said that he allows women to travel with him. And not, not, not just as servants, he actually lets them speak. He lets them do things and, and have a, 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 an equal opportunity at what he says is God's word. Well, I'm glad to see that he's finally coming to this dinner party and and realizing whom he needs to associate with. And this dinner party, when I got there, it was just, it was wonderfully arrayed. Everything was just as I knew it would be. And I arrived with with this anxious anticipation of of our meeting with this man, Jesus. I I just couldn't wait to meet this man that everybody had spoken so highly of and, 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 and the miracles and all the things I'd been hearing. And when I arrived, I must say I was somewhat disappointed. Or, or, excuse me, when he arrived, I was somewhat disappointed. He was dressed, you know, kind of drab. He was dressed simply. He wasn't dressed for a dinner party. Surely he knew he should have dressed up for this. And he didn't even have servants with him. He came all by himself. Who goes to a party without any servants? Who goes to a party without having the people that are going to be around him paying attention to him. And he sure didn't look special. He didn't look special at all. Well, you know, putting I all aside, the dinner party begins, and, and I'm sure it would have gone off spectacularly. Everything was going just as it should in spite of the, of the, the honored guest's attire, except the worst possible thing happened. The very worst thing that could ever happened to poor Simon, who put together this dinner. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. Just as we were reclining at the table and, 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 and everything is going well, the most despicable of women enter the room. This, this, this woman comes in who has a, a reputation, if you know what I mean. This woman comes into our dinner table. If I was Simon, I, I would want to know who in the world let her in and I would make sure he was never employed in society again. Who would let a woman like that into our dinner party? But the next part makes me shiver. It makes me just cringe at, at, at what transpires here. This woman, if you can even call her that, falls at Jesus' feet. She falls down at his feet and she just just weeping uncontrollably, just bringing all her emotion into our dinner party and, and falling at his feet, muttering these, these unintelligible words. And she's just, just there at the honored guest, even though he's dressed like that. She, she should have known better. But then what she do? She takes her hair and she, she dries his feet with her hair. Now I'm looking to see what in the world's going to happen here. How is Jesus going to, to send her off? But you know what Jesus does? He acts as if he enjoys it. He looks down at this woman and, and, and he's, he's acting like he's hearing what she has to say. And then she takes out this incredibly expensive bottle of perfume. Where a woman like that could get that kind of expensive perfume, 
is a crime in and of itself. How in the world could she even get her hands on that? But then she takes that perfume and she pours it out on his feet. At this point, you would think Jesus would jump up and rebuke her, but does he? No. He, he, he doesn't even recoil at the, at the touch of this sinful woman. She's, she's touching his feet. She's crying all over him. She's wiping her hair, wasting this perfume. Now, Simon reacts, of course, as we all would have, with disgust, with, with, with indignation. But Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He rebukes Simon. He looks to Simon and, and, and then has the gall to tell this woman that her sins are forgiven, that her faith has saved her. What kind of man can this be? Now, rewind. Let's go back to the beginning here. And let's go back to someone who's invited to that same dinner party, but with a a different viewpoint on the events that transpire. So this man comes in, and and he's going to start speaking. He says, Simon the Pharisee invited me to his house for dinner. Dinner parties amongst the society tend to be an opportunity for people to to come together and, and, and brag about how much they have. It's an opportunity for the people to come together and kind of talk about all the things they, they have in, the, in their pharisaical world there. But, and the bad thing to me is they do this while there's so many of our people who are, who are starving and they're oppressed at the, at the hands of the Romans. And, and even by some of our own leaders, they're being oppressed. I, I really don't want to go, but, but then I heard this guy, Jesus, was going to be there. And I've heard so much about Jesus. I've heard so many stories about him. He's famous all over Israel as a, as a man who can perform miracles, a man who can do great things. There is, in fact, there's rumors that he is even more than a man. He's certainly no respecter of persons. He, he ministers to the meek and the lowly, but he also ministers to the high and the mighty. He makes no distinction of who anyone is. I, I just kind of want to go to this party anyway and just meet somebody like this. Well, we're all anxiously and anticipating the man entering the room. We're all anxiously waiting for this Jesus to come to the dinner party. Well, he arrives, and he's in simple garb of a rabbi. No entourage, no, nothing about him, nothing in his presence, nothing in what he's got bringing into the room, screams out or says anything to me that, that he is the Messiah, except for one thing. In his simple clothes and no entourage, I look at this man, and when he looks at me, I feel as though he knows me. When he looks in my eyes, I can tell that there's there's something more. Well, we're there, and this most unexpected thing happens. We're we're sitting there, and and I have to tell you, every time I think about it, my heart just leaps within me as, as I think about what Jesus is going to do in this situation. A woman enters the room, and and she's weeping uncontrollably. She's crying, and she's broken, and and you can just feel the shame just coming off of her. And she was a woman with a reputation. She was a, she was a prostitute. Everybody knew this. And, the, and I have to be honest, the look on the faces of the guests, especially Simon, was one of horror. They couldn't believe that she had come in here. But she seemed so broken. She seemed so incredibly remorseful. And she falls down at Jesus' feet. And she's just weeping and she's crying uncontrollably. And these tears are coming down. And it was obvious that the shame and the the, the embarrassment she was currently subjecting herself to was nothing compared to the shame and the embarrassment that she felt because of her sin in the presence of this man. She didn't care what people thought. She didn't care what Simon and the other Pharisees would say. She came in and she was crying at the feet of Jesus And when Jesus looked at her, I promise, I looked at him and I could see in his eyes that as he looked at her, he saw compassion. She saw saw compassion in his eyes. There There was love in his eyes as he looked down upon her. But then she takes out this bottle, this this incredibly expensive perfume. And I can't help but wonder how long did she have to save up everything she had to be able to purchase this bottle of, of, of oil. And yet, after all that savings, what does she do? She honors him by by pouring it on his feet. Simon, the fool that he is, was indignant. Simon was beside himself. But Jesus rebuked him and did a most beautiful thing. For he then looked at this woman 
who was so torn up, so embarrassed, so ashamed of what he had been. And he told her, your sins are forgiven, that your faith has set you free. Two different perspectives on the same thing. Now let's look at it in scriptures this morning. As I said, in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. I had a reason for, I'm not an actor, but kind of acting that out for you this morning. Because I wanted to make sure, sometimes we read the scripture and they look like they're just redundant. They're repeating something. They're not. There was two different viewpoints given here, and I want to make sure we heard that. In verse 36 it says, Then one of the Pharisees invited him to eat with him. He entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in the town who was a sinner found out that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood behind him at his feet, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with the hair of her head, kissing them and anointing them with the fragrant oil. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, This man, if he were a prophet, who would who wouldn't excuse me this man if he were a prophet would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him she is a sinner but jesus replied to him simon i have something to say to you teacher he said say it a creditor has two debtors one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 since they could not pay it back he graciously forgave them both so which of them will love him more and simon answered I suppose the one he forgave more. You have judged correctly, he told him. Turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she with her tears has washed my feet and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she's loved much. But the one who is forgiven little, loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this man who forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, there was two different pictures that can come from that. The picture that the Pharisee sees of this woman, and the picture that Christ sees of this woman. There's two different ways to look at what transpired here that day. And when you read the story, when you look at what Jesus was trying to say, I can't help but walk away with a, with a message here that many people seem to miss. When I ask what's the point of this encounter, a lot of folks might say, well, it's the, the power of love, the power of forgiveness. It's breaking the chains of sin. And, and that's right. You're absolutely right. But I would submit to you this morning that it goes much deeper than that. Notice that the bulk of this message here this morning deals with the Pharisee. The bulk of this message deals with his, his response to the sinful woman, his response to, 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 to how he acted, and then the response of Jesus to the Pharisee. That's where the real message is here this morning. The point of this passage is that before we can ever even remotely get to the thou sins are forgiven stage, before we can ever remotely get to a position where we can get down and know that we've been anointed by the, the, the blood of Christ, it is fundamental that we shift from that self-righteous phase of judging others and look at ourselves for who we are. That's what we're going to spend a little bit of time on this morning. We need to understand this morning that there is a difference in righteousness. There is a difference in different kinds of righteousness. This past week, I have to share with you, I'm not going to go into detail, but I had to go to a meeting where there was about 18 pastors in this circle. And this may sound good to you, except there was an issue where about half the pastors was on one side of the fence and the other half the pastors on the other side of this fence. And I, myself, I was kind of torn because the group that I was agreeing with came to their idea by a totally different route than where I had come to it. We agreed on the same outcome. We agreed on the same goal that was out there. We agreed on what needed to be done. But for totally different reasons did we get there and totally different ways did we display our answers to where I did not want to associate myself with these men. Though their, their goal was righteous, as I put on the back of your bulletin this morning, 
Though your ends may be right, how you get there matters. You can't justify the ends with the means if the means have not, do not have Christ within them. You just cannot do so. There is a wrong kind of righteousness, if you will. Now, before we go any further, we need to make sure we understand what righteousness is. If you looked up righteousness in the, in the Bible, I mean, in, the, in a dictionary, it says the state of acting morally. And that sounds really good. It is the state of acting morally. It, in other words, it's doing the right thing. And I agree with that. But folks, let me submit to you this morning that biblically, it goes beyond that. When you look at the word righteous biblically, is to live righteously, is basically saying that you are to passionately pursue the right way. It's not just having the right goals in line. To walk righteously in the ways of the Lord means that I am going to attain those goals by acting the way Christ would have me to act to get there. When Paul said that I ran the race, the goals were set before me, he was stating the fact that I knew where the goals were, and I ran the race not just to attain the goal. I wasn't going to cheat. I wasn't going to cut corners. I wasn't going to act the way of the world. I ran the race the way God would have me to run the race. There's a difference between righteousness and self-righteousness. There is a difference between achieving the goals the way God would have you to and the way that the world wants you to. Think about it. The Pharisee here, he wanted the right path. He wanted the right thing. He, he, he was acting morally, if you will. But here's the thing. His, the Pharisee's path was correct initially. He, he wanted to be godly. His statements were godly. He was trying to pursue righteousness. That's a good thing. The Pharisee's assessment of the woman is right. It said in the exclamation point, she is a sinner. That's right. You're absolutely right. You're right. She was. Absolutely. She was a sinner. And the Pharisee was correct in thinking that. She don't bother me if she doesn't bother you. She was a, she was a sinner. The Pharisee was absolutely correct. There is no denying the fact. He was righteous in his statement that she was a sinner. But here's the problem. Here's where the, the, the fly in the ointment, if you will, for pardon the pun. His righteousness had become self-righteousness. When he said she is a sinner, he didn't say it with any compassion, with any kind of mercy, with any kind of love. He said it with indignation and disgust and an exclamation point. That does not change the fact that she was a sinner. But he did not get to that end by a justified means. Folks, righteousness should be our path to life. And that righteousness needs to be a godly righteousness and not a self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is a a kind of spiritual pride. And remember what the proverb says, that pride goes before destruction. When we start thinking, kind of like Brian was mentioning in his, his scripture reading at the beginning, when we start thinking of ourselves high and mighty, when we start thinking ourselves that we are, we've got it all going on in the church, when we start thinking about how I know all the songs, I've got the scriptures memorized, when we start thinking I can preach to everyone else because look how good I am, when we start thinking I have attained these goals and, and everybody that hasn't is below me, folks, then it is then that we are walking on self-righteousness rather than God's righteousness. And you might try to justify it by using God's word, but you, if you stop and look, will see that God did not look at them people the way you are. We get, especially in the church, and I, th- I think the older we get in the church and the more we live within our bubble, and again, I'm not, I don't want to use people, but the situation I found myself in this week, some of these, some older generation folks just live in this bubble that everybody outside of that bubble is just this bad and we don't want anything to do with them. Well, they are bad and they are sinners. But the difference is Jesus went out of the bubble and in his righteousness brought them within the church, not pushed them outside. Righteousness is of God. Self-righteousness is of sin, folks. Righteousness that we are living the way we are supposed to be living comes from Christ. Self-righteousness comes from our own understanding. Why is self-righteousness a sin? Why is the Pharisee's reaction to the sinful woman just as sinful as what she was? You see it in the beginning of, of, of verse 47 there. He said, he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Oh, excuse me, he who forgives little, loves little. 
When we just want to pat people on the head and say, oh, that's whatever, then that's all we're going to get in return. When we open our hearts and our arms and say, yes, she is a sinner. And you look at her with the mercy, the grace, the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, then God's going to look down on us with the mercy, the grace, and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe this is a danger that every Christian faces that's been in the faith a while. I think we all fall into this trap sometimes, even old pastors or young pastors. We fall in this trap of thinking how self-righteous we are. Or we may not think it, but we fall into a trap of becoming self-righteous rather than righteous in the Word of God. We are all, each and every one of us in this room, including myself, as, as saintly as Miss Carla is, Brian, my wife, whomever you want to point out, we are all sinners saved by the grace of God if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The only difference that separates us from that woman prior to Christ's words is the blood of Jesus Christ. He loves her just as much as he loves me. And he didn't want to push her away with any kind of self-righteousness. He looked with grace and mercy and compassion. He felt her remorse. He felt her shame. He felt her pain. And he wrapped his arms around her. Folks, I think that we oftentimes forget from whence we came. We forget who we were. We forget before our testimony. Well, you know, that was before testimony. I'm not going to go back there. And we are not to live in the past. But if we could start getting self-righteous and a little too big for our britches, maybe we do need to touch it every now and then. Maybe we just need to remember that if I was under my own authority, my own understanding, my own knowledge, my own mind, my own uh, intelligence of Scripture, there's no way I could ever step foot past the gates of heaven. I only am allowed to enter because, as Paul said, I am in Christ. It is the blood of Jesus that covers me. We, we, I think we forget that there had to be a change in our life. And that change came not by our study in the Word. That change came not just by, by being better than other people. There had to be a change in our life. And it came from the righteousness and the grace and the mercy of an almighty God. We cannot do it by our own effort. If you are sitting here this morning and you think that God's going to allow you into heaven because you think you're a good person and you think that you've studied the Bible enough, I'll tell you this morning, he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. The only way to get into glory is not how righteous you are, but by how righteous Christ is whom you are living within. There's going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be problems in your life. And you can try to deal with it self-righteously or you can get on your knees and humble yourself and say, here I am, Lord. God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? As, as people, we can forget sometimes where we came from. We forget that, that about the love of Christ. Well, we'll sing about it. We'll sing about being washed in the blood as we did a while ago. But folks, we need to remember, we are no better than even the worst of sinners. Whomever you can think of in your mind is the worst of sinners. Let me tell you this morning, you are no better than they. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Self-righteousness says, I am the standard. But in reality, God should be the standard. Self-righteousness say, well, I did this, this, and this. And self-righteousness will look at a sinner with contempt but God will look at a person and look through behind the sin and see who's really there. It's not for you and I to judge the sin. It's for you and I to extend a hand of grace and mercy into the hearts of people. It's not about trying to justify an end. It's about being used by God and the means to get there. That's what brings joy. Getting check marks on your card as you attain these righteous goals is not going to get you to heaven. Because you may be doing a lot, but he who loves little is forgiven little. But if I am getting there, and I don't care about check marks, if I am just living the way God would have me to live on a daily basis, then I'm going to feel the presence of God. Self-righteousness loves self. It really does. While true righteousness subjugates self to Christ. 
True righteousness doesn't care about the accolades of man. True righteousness doesn't matter if I get my check mark on somebody's wall in their church. True righteousness doesn't mean that the brothers are going to gather together and say, man, you dress right, you drive the right car, you, you have the big church, you do this, you do that. True righteousness is, God, am I doing what you've called me to do today? Am I saying what you've called me to say? Self-righteousness glories in their achievements for God. But folks, I would submit to you this morning that true righteousness recognizes that all accolades go to Christ. I can do nothing without Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I cannot build the kingdom of God. I, don't, I could build a huge cathedral if some, somehow I found all the bricks and, and had the energy and I could build this incredible cathedral and put TV stations all around it and I could, could just get up there and, and do wondrous things and hire an orchestra and all these things. I could get big check marks by the world. If I can't say thank you, Jesus, that this is of Christ, it's all for naught. I'm afraid that people in the church sometimes get caught up in their own self-righteousness and don't even realize that when the woman comes in and she's broken and she's crying and she's, she's ashamed, I'm afraid that sometimes we say, oh, why is she here? What does she think she's doing? Jesus teaches the Pharisee a lesson here, folks. And that lesson is remember from where you came. Remember who you are. Remember what you are. It is only because of Christ's love. It's only because of of Christ's mercy that we can gather in here today and sing songs as we did earlier and enjoy the babies dancing up front and and understand that that I'm not going to be hit by a lightning bolt. I can have joy because I do remember who I was but I remember who made me what I am now. Before we look at another person with hate and contempt, we better check our own life. We better look to ourselves. Before we condemn the sin of of someone else's life, remember the compassion God had and has on your life. It's a good standard to stand for righteousness. I, I agree. It's a good thing to be against sin, to stand for what is right and to, to fight for what is wrong. However, I would share with you that righteous love is always going to take those into account anyway. I don't have to make a picture of each one so people can see what I'm doing. If I am doing what God has called me to do, then I'm doing what God's called me to do. The standard is not my own. The standard should be God's own word. This is what declares righteousness, folks. This declares who we are. The question I would ask you this morning if that woman was to walk into your dinner party, walk into your church Sunday school class, walk in here on a worship time, she's got a little too much hanging out maybe. She's got too much makeup on. She's got stuff that, that screams out what her reputation and maybe what her occupation is. If she walked into the room and walked down and was broken and she was crying, and she sat down on this front row just wanting to hear the Word of God, sat down in your dinner party, and you're thinking, why would she come dressed like that? Why would she come all made up like that? Why, why, why? Would you look at her in the eyes with the eyes of the self-righteous and start saying, man, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad my kids didn't turn out like that. I'm glad that, 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 that I'm not one of those. Oh, and look, somebody's going to go and talk to her. Would you look at her through those eyes? Or would you go and sit beside her and say, honey, what can I do for you? Because I know a Lord, a Savior, a man who is the Son of God who wishes to come in and cleanse you and wash you and make you whole. I can't save you, but your repentance and your faith, if you accept Jesus Christ, I can say go and your sins have been forgiven. Not by the power of Frank, but by the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Which one of those two people would you be? I'm not asking for hands, and I'm not asking you to be dishonest with me. I'm just asking you to think about that yourself. If you had a big dinner party, and you had all your church friends over, and they were in a big circle in your backyard, the barbecue pit's going, everything's great. If that woman walked into your house and walked up to your pastor, I'm saying not me, but I mean you know, somebody important. I'm not important. You know what I'm saying there. And she fell down at their feet. Would you... Say, oh my gosh, 
or would you start praying for that pastor? There's a difference between righteousness and self-righteousness. You can tell me, oh, but I'm trying to build the kingdom. I'm trying to further the ministry. I'm trying to get this and I'm trying to get that. And those may be great and worthy goals. But if you're hurting people to do it, I have to question whether or not Christ is in that picture. Where are you this morning? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you today that just as he told that woman, you can walk away from here with your sins forgiven by your faith that you put in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is just be broken and turn that, that, that sin into repentance. Choose to walk away from it and give it to the Lord. Will it be easy? Probably not. But my God said he'd be there for you. Or maybe you're here this morning you're having a hard time because you have a lot of Christians that are rather self-righteous continually condemning you and telling you what you are not, and what you cannot, and what you will not. Let me share with you this morning that if you are trying and your heart is where the Lord is, He loves you, He cares for you, and I don't care what the self-righteous Christians say around you. He loves you. And if you're here this morning and you are that self-righteous one, praise God. The reason why God spoke those words to Simon He didn't condemn him. If you notice, he said, he put out that word picture. If I forgave one 500, 150, who's going to love me more? Well, obviously the one you forgave more. That's right, Simon. You better learn that lesson. Folks, God loves you still this morning. If you have fell into that self-righteous trap, ask God's forgiveness. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Let me change a few areas of my life. For I want to walk in your righteousness, not mine. And I, I will tell you this morning, probably everyone in here at some point or another has fell into that trap. I know I went through my pharisaical stage and probably still do fall in that trap sometimes. The difference is now I understand that it is a trap. I need to be wary of it. And I need to stop on a daily basis and say, Father, forgive me. Put me back on your path of righteousness. Direct me to where I need to be. If that's you this morning, this altar will be open. You can pray right where you're at. You can sit, you can stand. Whatever the Lord's telling you to do. Isn't it great we serve a God that can be with each one of us at the same time? Whatever he's telling you to do, will you listen today? Will you follow through? There's plenty of self-righteous Christians out in that world. And unfortunately, there's many behind pulpits. There's many teaching Sunday schools. There's many driving church buses and building church buildings. But I share with you this morning, the Lord of this word right here, the God of this right here, this is what should, our standards should be. This word is what we should attune ourselves. The accolades of man are nothing to man unless we turn them over to the Lord. While Jesus called sinners to repentance, he never held a one of them in contempt. Where are you this morning? I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I don't care what the world's told you. Told you he loves you. If you're in here this morning, you say, but if I walk an aisle, if I tell people that, that, that I've never really been saved, they're going to laugh at me. They're going to think less of me. Think about what was going through that woman's mind as she was on her knees, weeping over his feet, pouring ointment upon his feet. She didn't care what other people thought. She cared about what God thought. Listen to what the Lord says today. And guys, if you're in that self-righteous crowd, make the decision today to give it all back to Christ. Our righteousness is but filthy rags, but it's the righteousness of Christ that washes me and makes me whole. Where are you this morning? As we pray. Or let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Father God, I come before you today and just ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, to to search our hearts and tell and seek and point out any unrighteousness within us. Maybe we've gotten high and mighty and holier than now in just one little area. Maybe we're doing really good except for this area or that area. Point it out to us, God, so that we can turn it over to you to be washed, cleansed, 
and made whole. God, I pray that I don't fall in that unrighteous lot as Simon did. I pray I've learned the lesson that you taught Simon. And may and I pray I never become one, even when I'm really old. May I not be the one that sits and justifies the ends by the means. Or justify the means by the ends. Lord, I just pray your will to be done in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's telling you to sing and you have a light heart, then sing and be lighthearted and praise His name. If He's telling you to get on your knees and ask forgiveness, then get on your knees and ask forgiveness. If He's telling you to go over and pray with your brother or your sister, go over and pray with your brother or sister. But do what God's going to tell you to do. Listen to Him this morning. And if you will listen to Christ, I can guarantee your road will be a whole lot easier in front of you. Does that mean there won't be bumps? No, there'll be bumps. There'll be tribulations. But if you're truly trusting Christ, you know you're going to either get through them or you're going to be with Him. Either way, I'm in the hands of the one who loves me most. For you this morning, as we sing, guys. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>